Welcome to Servant Leadership Sessions, an ongoing series of conversations with business and thought leaders exploring the impact of servant leadership. Brought to you by Cairnway Center for Servant Leadership Excellence. Find out more at cairnway.net. That's C-A-I-R-N-W-A-Y.net. Now, here's your host, Kevin Monroe. Welcome to this episode, number 13 of Servant Leadership Sessions. We appreciate you giving us a listen. After all, you, the listener, are the reason we do these sessions. We want to share this servant leadership journey with you, and we appreciate you allowing us to be a part of your journey. If you're a loyal listener, and we hope you are, you know that we focus on the practical aspects of leadership, seeking to provide ideas and insights to help you be more effective in your leadership. Today is no exception. We're delighted to welcome Kevin Nakao, Head of Employee Engagement at Tiny HR. Kevin has a rich background in technology, employee recognition, and engagement. He has an MBA from Harvard Business School, and he joins us to talk employee engagement and some related concepts today. Welcome, Kevin. For people who've never heard of Tiny HR or Tiny Pulse, what do they need to know to make sense of the conversation we're having here? We started over two and a half years ago with a simple mission of creating happier employees. And the reason is, you know, you spend so much time at work. One of the best places to start creating a better just life is to uh, spend that where you're spending the most time, which is a happier workplace. Absolutely. You know, that was the lesson my dad taught me and really imparted to me both in word and deed that we spend most of our time working, most of our waking hours working. Make sure you do something you love. I'm grateful that I have that opportunity, and I'm grateful that there are organizations like you helping others have that experience. So this whole idea, we'll we'll dig into that a little bit later. Would you share with us how your company came about? Because there's a great story there. What's the genesis of Tiny HR? Yeah, Tiny HR was started by David New about two and a half years ago. He had started two other companies. They were doing really well, and he just kind of wanted to take a break from all of it. So he actually sold everything he had. He packed up his wife and his uh, newborn daughter, and he went on what he calls careercation, where he just traveled the world, and he met with all the business leaders, asking them for their kind of secrets and tips. And that was kind of the genesis of uh, where Tiny Pulse could start and um his goal really was to give other leaders a pulse on how happy burnout or frustrated their employees were so they could start the path and the dialogue to create positive change. And, and what, what, what were one or more of the themes that he heard recurring in those conversations? Sure, I think it's a couple things. One, uh, it's about a conversation and being able to have that dialogue. Two, it you needed to take action right away. It couldn't be something that was studied and measured over a long period and make it a six-month project. And then um, three, I think every company and culture was unique. So uh, what worked for some companies didn't necessarily work for others. So everybody kind of has to find their own path. And for you, Kevin, what have you learned about the impact of leadership on employee engagement and happiness? Yeah, I think um, the two main things I've learned, uh, the first 
is really how important the dialogue is. And what I've noticed, you know, a lot of times people think, okay, we, we send out our weekly pulse survey, get feedback, take action, and get results. And that certainly is a great step towards kind of engaging employees. But a lot of times I've noticed that it's just having the conversation and that dialogue with employees that's pretty important. So in some cases, action may not be taken but the fact that, that somebody had this conversation really helps kind of motivate and engage employees. So that's the first thing. Um, second, the second thing, and, and the thing that's most surprising to me is it's not just leaders or managers that are having a, a role or an impact on employee engagement. I think uh, people used to say people don't quit companies, they quit their bosses. And while that's certainly true, we're seeing another kind of emerging factor in employee engagement and that is your coworkers, the people you work with. You know, people want to work with great people. And we kind of look at all our data. We've got two and a half years of um, tons of questions and data back. And we looked at the things that kind of correlate to employee happiness. And the top three factors were the transparency of management, your rating of coworkers and team members, and then your relationships with coworkers. So it's a pretty highly correlated um, statistical study showing that who you work with makes a big difference as well as your relationship with them. So transparency, number two was the? Rating of coworkers. Rating of members. coworkers, okay. Uh, and number three is your relationships with those coworkers. So not only do I, do I rate my coworkers highly, but I have great relationships with them. In fact, in terms of the numbers, those had about a 0.9 correlation coefficient. Uh, rating of your direct supervisor had a 0.7. So still strong, but not as strong as uh, this whole impact of your colleagues and coworkers. I was try I'm trying to make sure I'm pulling this quote right. Uh, and it comes from some friends that are also in Seattle. Fierce conversations. And I believe what they teach is the conversation is the relationship, right? And, and the relationship you have with whomever that is, whatever sphere that is, the, the conversation is how that relationship is best experienced and, and best described, the dialogue, as you said. Yeah, I would agree with that. And that's why, you know, some people call us a survey tool, but we're really a conversation starter. And that's why Tiny Pulse is sent out every week, is we just want to start the conversations that people have. Uh, and I'll give you a good example. Um, I talked with one CEO. Uh, the question for that week is, um, you know, do you plan on staying here uh, over the next year, or do you plan on leaving? And they got some feedback, and, and one person wrote that uh, they were very frustrated and they didn't see themselves at that company in a year. And it started this kind of dialogue, and he wanted to know out why and found out that this one uh, manager didn't feel like she was getting the career growth and development needed. And since that time, they've taken action. She's happy, and um, he was able to save a very valuable employee. Okay, so let's back up and, and provide a context here that I, I want to make sure people aren't missing and, and that we've gotten this. Uh, some people will get it intuitively, but I have to tell you, Kevin, I was a little slow when I first heard Tiny Pulse. I, w I wasn't quite following. Uh, so let's explain, if you will. First off, let's just talk about why and how surveying employees in the workplace is important. 
And then what's different about this tiny pulse versus the annual type survey? Sure. Um, so for the same reasons you want to understand how your customers are feeling, it's really important to understand how the employees that help deliver the service and products to those customers are feeling as well. And traditionally, uh, companies would do an annual survey or in some cases a biannual survey and ask a whole bunch of questions. And that was great for kind of getting a readout of where people were. But what we found is in many cases it was kind of too much and, and too late. The too late part is, you know, if, if somebody's thinking of leaving, like the example I shared with you, you need to know, you know, within days, not, not months or years of something uh, going wrong. And the too much part is a lot of times these survey questions are anywhere from 25 to 50 questions long. And there's been a ton of academic research to show that if you start asking more than 15 questions, uh, the quality of the answers go down. So what we decided to do is just kind of flip this on, the, on its head and say, let's just start with a question each week. It's lightweight. You get quicker feedback. And we actually create a habit out of kind of asking these questions and starting these conversations. So in a lot of cases, after we send out some of these questions, uh, they may be something like, how happy are you at work? Uh, what do you think of our training programs? How would you rate your supervisor? How do you rate your coworkers? Is that you, the employees fill out the question, and then the feedback goes to the manager or the administrator running the survey program. And they can actually take a look, and they can decide to share that information out. Um, they can hold it for a while. What we see a lot of companies will do is they've kind of created this workflow around it. So every week they'll ask a question and they'll have monthly town hall meetings and they'll pick some of the questions to address in that meeting. Or managers will use it in their uh, smaller group meetings or in one-to-one -one meetings. Okay. So as I'm following this along, a couple of questions come to mind. Can really meaningful change result from such a short survey? One or two questions? Yeah, I think what we're really trying to do is, is really create a habit out of starting this dialogue and feedback. And so rather than wait once a year to do this, we do it every Wednesday and we, and we start, start that process. And there's been a ton of, of research done on usability, like how do you get people to do things on an ongoing basis? In other words, how do you create habits? Mm -hmm. And triggers and repetition are key. So every Wednesday, we send out an email letting the uh, employees know the new tiny polls is here, and they fill it out. And so we're creating that habit around getting that feedback. And uh, a lot of times what we find is a lot of the issues that are brought up, they can be really small things. Uh, I've heard companies talk about the time of um, a, a company-wide conference call that wasn't convenient for everybody or several weeks ago, uh, one, one of the company's employees talked about how people were coming to work sick and uh, you know, asked them to stay home if they're not healthy. So uh, what I find is it's the little things that can make a big difference, and then, of course, we uncover some of the bigger problems as well. Kevin, as I'm, I'm processing this, and there's so many, so many directions we could go with the conversation at this moment, and I, I want to try to make sure I hit all of them. Uh, with this really small things. You know, my colleague here at Cairnway, Joe and I, have had conversations reflecting on the point we make. It's the little things that matter most. However, we never know which little thing is going to matter most to which employee. So I love this idea of using a tool that helps you identify little things. 
Well, what are some other examples of little things? Sure. Um, uh, in fact, it was great. I happened to be having lunch with somebody. I had no idea their company used Tiny Pulse. It was a Wednesday. She said she was really excited about going back to work, and I asked why, and she said, so she could pull, fill out her Tiny Pulse survey. And I was like, well, why is that so important to you? And she goes, well, there's a lot of little things that bug me that I don't necessarily want to bring up with my manager or uh, in a larger meeting. And I was like, well, what's an example? It's like, all right, here's one. Uh, we've all moved from offices into this kind of open space. Uh, so we have these meeting rooms, and there's been a couple of executives that have been hogging the meeting room. So I mentioned that, and that afternoon, the executives that were hogging the meeting rooms stopped hogging them. So uh, that, to me, is a great example of a really small, simple thing somebody didn't know about, and it was just a question of communicating that information. Okay, a couple of other things just to make sure we cover. The the surveys, there is anonymity with the respondents? There is. So um, I'll explain how it works. Uh, first of all, anonymity is really key. Uh, you know, about 40% of uh, employees out there say they want to protect their anonymity um, because they're fearful of any repercussions and they feel like they can be more open. So when an employee fills out uh, Tiny Pulse, it's completely anonymous. However, what we're allow we allow the user to do is when you go in and you make a comment, uh, a manager or leader that's on the other side of Tiny Pulse can actually respond to it. And what we do is we actually just relay the information over email. So we never reveal the employee. We only are communicating the information back and forth. Okay. I just want to make sure it, that was clear to listeners, but in the instance you were talking about a moment ago of of a manager describing that they didn't have plans to stay long term, that that manager wasn't directly outed by their response. They weren't. <clears throat> so they had this uh, conversation in the very beginning. It was uh, confidential, anonymous. And then if the employee decides to reveal who they are, they can, but they're never required to. The other idea that I want to unpack a little bit is the idea of, of weekly intervals of the tiny pulse. Is there added extra pressure on busy managers receiving this additional weekly feedback who are already feeling stressed responding to multiple demands on their time? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple things. One, um, you know, I think we play a pretty big impact in terms of engaging employees. And so if you were to lose an employee, the, the cost and the time from that would be much more than what it takes to ad administer uh, Tiny Pulse. Uh, the second thing is we can uh, change the cadence. So company, many companies will start off doing this on a weekly basis. They can switch to doing it every two weeks. Or if they have a really busy deadline, they can put it on hold. And then finally, um, one of the things I've learned is that with employee engagement is, you know, if you have a company, it shouldn't just be one person's job. It's not just the job of HR. It's not just the job of the COO or the CEO to engage everybody. We, we try to make it everybody's job. And so we've actually structured Tiny Pulse so that you can have multiple administrators. So let's say you had a company of 1,000 people and there were 20 managers. You can make uh, those 20 managers administrators of Tiny Pulse. And so you're kind of you're kind of uh, delegating the burden and the opportunity to kind of, kind of make change and take a lot of this feedback and do something with it. So it's really a manager tool that can be used. Are employee surveys a silver bullet 
Or do some companies look to them to be a silver bullet? No, they're all, they are not a silver bullet. It's just a starting point. Um, you can survey people uh, all day, <laughs> you know, twice a week, uh, but it won't make a difference if you don't take action from those results. And then the other thing that we found that's pretty important is to actually share the results. You don't have to share all of them, but we see participation and success happen over time with companies that actually share the results of what people are thinking. And because uh, employees are curious, they want to know if their coworkers feel the same way or if um, they feel differently. So. Uh, it's only a starting point. In fact, uh, in the very beginning days, up until about six months ago, on our website, there was a big, bold message that said, don't try or use Tiny Pulse in, in, unless you're ready to take action. Hmm. So we don't want people uh, using or paying for a service unless they're truly committed uh, to making these changes and listening to feedback. Because I think in many cases you could be worse off if you ask for this feedback and then you never share it and you don't do anything about it. So I want to ask you to weigh in on another conversation, and I've not prepped you for this one in any way at all, Kevin. Uh, Employee engagement, is that the end goal, or is it the byproduct of another end goal? Well, I think think it can be a byproduct, and it's really how you define it. Uh, Traditionally, uh, we looked at uh, happiness, workplace happiness, and then there are about three or four different Uh, definitions of employee engagement that are used. And I think the key thing is that uh, we don't want to dictate which definition and what your end goal should be. So we provide a lot of flexibility uh, around that. Uh, I think ultimately the end goal is to create um, an ecosystem that works for everybody. And by that, I mean you want to have happy customers, you want to have happy employees, you want to have happy suppliers and vendors for those services. And when you do that, I think you create this win-win, and it's a healthy ecosystem. And engaged employees are just one factor in that. Love the answer, and that that's the direction I would have gone with that. I, I'm a little disturbed when we see all of these trends in the workplace, right? So employee engagement, we know that's a problem. But if you're only trying to fix employee engagement, it it seems like it falls far short. Likewise, we, we do some work in the customer experience movement as well. And what you just said is also true. Customer experience, employee engagement are results of that healthy and vibrant ecosystem. But if if those become the goal, you know, my, my opinion, in, uh, customer experience will never supersede the employee experience at the front line, right? So if we're not taking care, if a company is not taking care of their employees, their employees at the front line aren't able to take care of their customers on a consistent basis. Yes, and many of us are in mission-based businesses. We exist to serve some some purpose that generally involves customers and helping them, and that generally is the primary goal. <clears throat> So you you mentioned results, and I know you were talking about the the survey results. I want to ask you about the larger results. What what's what have been some of the most exciting results you've seen from customers or companies that are getting involved in this movement of getting in touch with their employees, having these regular conversations about what's important to them. 
Yeah, I think um, we're really helping companies that want to move fast to move quicker and to uh, have that dialogue to deal with uh, high rates of change. In fact, it's interesting that both uh, Entrepreneur Magazine's um, Entrepreneur of the Year is, is a customer, Dan Price, as well as U.S. Today's Entrepreneur of the Year, Matt Ehrlichman, who is the CEO of Porch. So they're both customers and avid supporters of uh, Tiny Pulse. They're the people that adopted it at their companies. And it's been a really important tool for them to uh, have that communication, understand how employees are feeling. The, the great thing about a survey is, is that it's data-informed. So if you're, you're not having one, it's really hard to know if some of the strong opinions are hearing are representative of the total company <clears throat> or if they're just the opinions of the few. So kind of a data-informed survey will, will help you with that. <clears throat> Excuse me. In terms of one of my favorite stories, there was a, a company in the U.K., and, uh, you know, they really prided themselves on their culture. And then one of the questions came out is, uh, how do you think uh, the management team is at transparency? And they scored very low. And the reason they scored low and the reason they know that is we actually benchmark. So the benefit of, the, you know, having the 500 companies and all their employees use their stuff is that we create these benchmarks so you know how you're doing against that. And they fell way below the benchmark, and that was really concerning to them. So what they did in the next week's Tiny Pulse is they asked one simple question, three words, ask me anything. Hmm. And they did that, and they um, then had a town hall meeting, and they had a really, really uncomfortable discussion, but they answered all the questions. Some of the things were quite sensitive, but they were committed to showing their transparency. And then uh, several weeks later, their Tiny Pulse happiness score shot through the roof, in fact, they're so proud of those scores and the trend lines that they actually put it on their website in the recruiting section to show the improvements and the success that they've, they've had with that. So that, that's one of my favorite stories. Yeah. And, and I think that's uh, one of the things that people don't talk about a lot is I think generally we all know the, the value and the importance of transparency. But when you actually practice it, it, it can be pretty tough, right? There could be some very awkward conversations. It's not easy to hear feedback sometimes that, that you don't want to hear, but it's it's kind of the uncomfortable feedback that you need in order to, to make change. And I've seen that happen so many times where um, there's some dialogue that's very honest, it's very candid, we, people's feelings are hurt, but they get through it and they end up uh, being a better organization. Have you been involved with executives as they're pondering or, or considering how to embrace greater levels of transparency? Yes, definitely. And it's, um, you know, there's, there's some information that for legal reasons uh, can't be shared and you want to protect privacy. And I think the big thing in the feedback that we give is just to take every, get everybody to make sure they, they take a step back uh, nothing's personal, focus on the issues, and understand that when um, an employee brings something up, it's it's something that's really, really bothering them, and it's not an attack against you, and you, and you need that feedback. So we, we coach a lot of um, people through, through that process. Okay, a couple of other things I want to unpack with you, Kevin. One of those is, and I'm sure our listeners are familiar with the incredible perks and privileges you know, that, that make the headlines of what some leading tech or social media companies provide. Flexible schedules, limitless vacations, game rooms, nap pods, catered meals, all of that. 
where do you see that in the evolution of the employee employer relationship and and how is that going to really satisfying employees long term is that enough yeah, I think, um, well, let's start with one of the ones issues you raised was just around flexibility. And we've moved to a world where people are always on, business is always running, and we have access because of email or mobile phones. Uh, we're just always on. And I think uh, what that has resulted in is just a lot more flexibility um, in terms of work hours. And I think that's not only important to millennials, but baby boomers and all, all generations. So we're certainly seeing both the need and the benefits of, of providing that flexibility where possible. Now, there could be situations where you're customer-facing and you need to make sure you're staffing the service departments at times that are convenient for them, but I see a lot of uh, employees and employers uh, really valuing that flexibility. But on the other thing you mentioned, the perks, like the ping-pong tables and you know, the fun-colored offices, I think that really is just kind of a starting point. I know tons of companies that have all those things, catered lunches, but they're completely failing in the important things of transparency, that dialogue and communication. So I always think it's important for companies to just focus on, on the fundamentals, uh, have that dialogue, understand what your employees want, have those conversations. Uh, just, just having the free snacks and the ping pong tables aren't enough. And, and so a, a question that I have, based on your experience, your encounters with customers, customers that are prone to do this tiny pulse frequent weekly surveying, are they more of those type of tech and social media companies, you know, the newer companies that are, are doing those other things? Or do you see a mix of what might be considered traditional type companies, older school companies also interested? Yeah, we're seeing a mix, but if I had to um, kind of isolate or identify one common denominator, it's the fact that uh, a leader or somebody at that company understands how important uh, employees are and that it goes beyond just pay. Um, There's just a lot you need to do in terms of how you talk to, how you relate to employees, and they realize that that's an important way of uh, achieving their objectives. So we have uh, traditional companies use us in the manufacturing sector. We have construction companies using us. We have a bubble tea shop in Dallas using it with their employees, and we certainly have tech and uh, business consulting companies. So they really run the gamut. Uh, The thing, though, that is common in all of them is there's somebody there that just gets it. And do you see any trends of where those people are inside the organization, those people that just get it? Yeah, so the great thing about kind of what's happening in, in the business world today is before any tool or service you use was pretty much determined from the top down. Either the CEO or the head of IT or the head of HR kind of determined what software and tools that uh, you use. And now what we're seeing because of technology and, by the way, uh, companies like ours have kind of made their services available, anybody can get it started. And so there are many cases where the person that brought Tiny Pulse into their company, uh, they weren't the CEO, they weren't the head of the HR, they were a manager running a team, or, or they were, in some cases, even an employee that brought it in. Uh, in fact, there's a very successful company in Boston that went uh, public last year named HubSpot. 
And the first users of Tiny Pulse were engineers in their Dublin office, and then word kind of just spread, and now now the whole company's using us. Oh, fascinating! Yeah, and and HubSpot is uh, has that reputation of being a great organization. Yes, and we we do really well with entrepreneurs because most savvy entrepreneurs realize that uh, for them to see their vision come to life, they really need great people to do that. They need to attract the best talent, and they need to motivate and engage the best talent. So we'll do really well with that. And I just think there's a, a whole generation of managers uh, that's coming in, and um, they 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 understand this, and they're they're using tools like Tiny Pulse and management philosophies that um, are really helping them engage employees. Are there companies that shouldn't embark on on a, a tool like Tiny Pulse? Yeah, I wouldn't um, do it unless you have uh, the commitment from the leadership team to do this. So, for example, one of the things that we do is we really encourage uh, companies before they, they roll this out to test it out first. Uh, we do you know, free, free two-week trials. Make, make, make sure it's right for you and that you're going to get uh, all employees and some of the managers to be really engaged with this. And that's why we want people to test it out first. And if the results aren't successful, if the leadership team is unwilling to, to listen to feedback and make changes and share it, then, um, as I mentioned before, it's, you're probably better off not, not doing it. I agree. This whole commitment to action, this predisposition to action on, on whatever scale it is, but anytime we're soliciting feedback, if we're not willing to do something with the feedback, there's there's the uh, probability of only making whatever the situation is worse. B- because now we've just heightened the awareness and we've also put ourselves in the spotlight where people are expecting action. Uh, what's it like to work at Tiny HR, a company that does this for others What's it like to, to work there? Yeah, it's great. I mean, uh, the whole world is kind of our lab, and to see kind of best practices, we learn so much from the customers that are, are uh, using us that we'll adopt and use uh, at our, our own company. Um, so it's just a, a great learning experience. And, you know, I understand also it's it's not easy, and we look at our feedback sometimes, and Again, we have to take our own advice and just take a deep breath and understand what somebody's trying to say. Uh, it's a real big temptation to try to figure out you know, who's saying this, but it really doesn't matter. You have to focus on the issue and the why behind somebody uh, uh, might be bringing something up. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's fun and it can be challenging. It's not always easy, but it's always worth having that dialogue. I keep hearing this coming back to the dialogue, the dialogue that really Tiny Pulse is the catalyst for more informed and richer dialogue. Is that a true statement? Correct. Informed by the fact that, you know, we ask everybody, and so we get a lot of feedback. So we give you a good kind of data-informed view of, of things, and then a starting point, too. So the companies that do the best have created this process around uh, putting out their tiny pulse um, survey, getting the results, sharing it in the meeting, having that conversation on either a larger scale with everybody or in a smaller scale with with just managers. Is there another success story that's personal to you that excites you most about your journey in this 
tiny pulse world? Yeah, the thing that really excites me, and I, I haven't even talked about it yet, is I think most leaders know how important recognition is. You know, great job, kudos, that's all really important. And I think many companies have gotten really good at it. They have lots of awards. Uh, but the really exciting thing I see is what uh, is happening with peer-to-peer recognition, which is the ability for employees to give kudos and thank each other. And um, it's a really big impact. There's uh, Burson did a study that showed that companies that were good at recognition have a much lower voluntary turnover rate than uh, companies that are good at it. So when you combine that, the ability to give peer recognition with some of the data I shared earlier about how important your coworkers are, and you put those two things together, um, you can have a really, really uh, powerful way of building a great culture. And what I like about this is now we're saying it's not just leaders that can make mm-hmm. a company better, mm-hmm. but everybody has the ability to engage people, to um, lead by example, and to give credit when people are doing really good work. And so uh, recently we looked at their data, and we looked at how we, we, um, we have a thing called Cheers for Peers, where people can give recognition to each other. And we looked at this data, and we found out that the people that were happiest at work gave cheers or peer recognition on a much more regular basis than people that did not. So what it means, I think, is a couple things. I mean, it's not necessarily uh, showing causation, but that people that are giving peer recognition are much happier than, than people that are not. And it's not receiving it. It's actually the giving it, uh, the act of giving recognition that, that um, is correlated with workplace happiness. So for all of our friends that are in the gratitude research world, I'm, I'm sure they would have a lot of research they could point to that would probably have some correlation between this cheering a peer comes from an attitude of disposition. I mean, a disposition of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude that I'm looking for what I can praise in others, and I'm looking for how I can share that. Correct. And, you know, it's rooted in positive psychology, right? That that it starts with gratitude. It starts with appreciation. You come in happier. You lead with positivity. uh, And then somebody else receives that message. And uh, it just has this kind of wonderful snowball effect. And that's one of the ways I think we've really helped companies. So again, that's why I don't consider Tiny Pulse just a survey tool. Not only are we starting the dialogue, but we're also helping make those um, places better to work through this peer recognition. And you know what? Giving recognition is a dialogue. It's telling somebody uh, in a very constructive and positive way that you liked uh, what they did and in in many cases why they did it. Robert Greenleaf's the gentleman that gave us the term servant leadership. He was a contemporary of Maslow, Abraham Maslow, and the hierarchy of needs. As I reflect on some of the things we were talking about in the conversation, I see a an increase of the sophistication of needs that we want to make sure are being met to really allow people to thrive. Does that make sense to you? Does that correlate to Maslow's hierarchy of needs in your mind? Yeah, and I think um, we want to be valued as people, and it's the dialogues and the conversations that are important. And, you know, in many cases in our relationships, it's nice to be right. It's nice to have what we want done. But even when we can't, the fact that we can have the conversation about it uh, and be respected as individuals is critical. So talk to me what you've learned 
and how this exceed you know goes from the ping pong tables and the the cool paint in your office to really reaching higher levels towards self actualization yeah i mean i th- I think the first step in terms of what we see is just make sure that uh People are listening to you. I think part of Maslow's hierarchy of needs was this feeling for safety. Yes. And so that's one of the reasons why we allow uh, employees to be anonymous so they don't fear any kind of uh, re- repercussions from that. Uh, and then I think the next level up is just kind of the esteem and the self-actualization, and that's one of the reasons why peer recognition is so important because we're basically saying, you know, you now have the tools to, to make this a better workplace by thanking and giving recognition to other people for doing a great job or for, um, you know, showing uh, a great application of the company values. Kevin, are there any things you'd like to discuss in our conversation that we've not yet included? Yeah, I mean, I think what I see happening, I think, you know, luckily we're getting more managers out there that understand the need of employees. And I think we're also, just from a business sense, the role of management is changing dramatically. In fact, I think we're all moving to kind of a lighter management structure because we now need to compete in a world that moves quicker. And the more layers of management you have, the slower you move. We also are moving to a world where your employees and the people that work for you know a lot more than you do about what they're doing. And so they're the experts. So I think uh, we're seeing a lot of changes that really kind of facilitate this need for the servant leadership uh, thinking uh, that that go beyond the original intent of just um, making sure that what we're doing is serving a higher good, but it's just actually a more productive and more efficient business uh, when we can move to these lighter management structures uh, and empower employees to to, to be self-actualized and to have a say and to really play a role in how they work with employees and how they engage employees. Well, we're excited to meet an organization like Tiny HR that's leading a way in providing tools and resources for employers, leaders in organizations to facilitate these conversations on a more frequent basis and believe that's uh, a, a certain positive force moving forward in this movement that you just discussed. As we wrap up, two things. One, you have a lot of resources, reports. You mentioned that you've tracked a lot of data. Can, can you talk about a couple of the reports that people might be interested in? Sure. We've actually done studies on the finance industry, of all industries. Uh, I'll share something we did recently is we looked at what were the happiest uh, industries. And construction was number one. And towards the bottom uh, was finance and insurance at number eight. And it's really interesting. Uh, one of the factors that played a big role in construction is they have a high rating of their coworkers and their colleagues. So there's a lot of camaraderie in construction. Conversely, in, in finance, um, they score very high on transparency now. I think a lot of that has to do with new regulations. But they score very low in terms of the ratings of their coworkers. So, again, I think it's really interesting to see what a big difference uh, who you work with makes in your overall happiness. Yeah, that is interesting. I, uh, I read that study with great interest because my son actually works in the finance in- industry, so I forwarded it over to him to get his input. 
Kevin, for those that are interested in learning more about Tiny HR or exploring resources or a next step, how do they find out more? Sure. Um, we recently um, we started the company as Tiny HR. The product is Tiny Pulse, and most all of our resources are at Tiny Pulse, www.tinypulse.com. And like I said, don't don't use us unless you're committed to listening to some of this feedback, sharing it, and doing something about it. Uh, if, think, if you think you could be, then you can go to our site, try it out, and you'll get a really good sense for um, your overall employee happiness, some of the things that you can do to uh, create a better workplace, and it will really spark some, some great conversations. Sparking great conversations. That, that is one of the, the ultimate benefits that I see. And so, Kevin, I also want to thank you for sparking a great conversation today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for allowing me to uh, share what we're doing and what we're learning. And we have a lot more learning and uh, uh, experiences ahead of us that I'm excited about. Excellent. Hey, we know our listeners are committed to creating great places to work and are always interested in tools and resources to help them further their their quest. So thank you for, for sharing those. And to you, our listeners, I want to thank you for listening. And I want to just bait you a little bit that over the next couple of months we have a couple of very special conversations lined up not going to say more about that but i know that you will really enjoy them and the uh, rich nature that we are able to dive into related to the servant leadership journey so thank you and until next time keep serving keep leading Join us next time for more Servant Leadership Sessions with your host, Kevin Monroe. And for more information about how to energize your workplace through the power of servant leadership, log on to cairnway.net. C-A-I-R-N-W-A-Y dot net.